In honor of Mother's Day today, I would like to speak to you out of a passage of Scripture that I think highlights a mother's great faith. I'm going to ask you to open with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. As you know, on Sunday mornings, we are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We are currently studying out of chapter 10. So I'm kind of jumping forward here to pick a passage that gives us this beautiful picture of a mother's faith. Uh, And you'll find it there in Matthew 15, and we'll look at verse 21. And I've entitled today's message, A Mother's Great Faith. A Mother's Great Faith. I believe that God has deposited something of His own image into the heart of mothers. You know, when you think about Genesis and what's said there in chapter 1 and verse 27, you know this verse, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God is to be reflected in the image, his image is to be reflected in the creation of man, man, male and female. There are unique attributes of God that I believe are seen in the woman and specifically in the mother that God wants us to see and recognize. In Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 13, it says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So something of the Lord is manifested even in the heart of a loving mother. Now, this text that we'll be looking at here today, this is a loving mother, and it's, uh, her love for her daughter is going to manifest in great faith. In fact, Jesus is going to commend her faith. And I think there are lessons of faith for all of us in demonstrated in this, this account of this mother. Jesus, let me give you the setting before we look at the text. Jesus, as you remember, he ministered primarily in the area of Israel and specifically in the area surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And what we find here in today's passage is that Jesus has departed from the area of Galilee and he has gone north into an area called Tyre and Sidon. And this would be modern day Lebanon up near the Mediterranean coast. And Jesus is almost, as we find out from the Gospel of Mark, who also gives us this account, he's looking to retreat away from the crowds and looking for a little bit of isolation so that he can just minister there with his disciples. So that's the setting. Jesus has left his main ministry kind of area. He's gone outside of the nation of Israel. He's in a Gentile area, and he's looking for a little bit of kind of privacy with his disciples. With that in mind, pick it up with me in verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. The first thing I want to draw your attention to here in our text is that this woman's faith is is, uh, a great faith that overcomes barriers. Faith that overcomes barriers. Matthew says it this way, Behold, a woman of Canaan came. 
as if to say, this was quite unexpected. Behold, this Gentile woman, this woman who knows nothing of the Jewish Messiah, this woman who were kind of out in a foreign place, and we did not anticipate that some Gentile woman, and he, he traces her lineage all the way back to Can the Canaanites. Now, you remember the Canaanites. They were the people that God wanted to move out of the promised land to make room for the blessing that he wanted to give to his people Israel. So even Matthew seems startled by this woman and kind of her audacity to come and appeal to the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. She pushes past those stereotypes. She pushes past whatever cultural divides there are, her religious background, the barriers of race and gender. Her faith, her faith cannot be deterred. Now, you know, the Canaanite people, they were... They were pagan worshipers of false gods. You can, you can know that this woman had no kind of spiritual etiquette. She had no knowledge of God's promises. She had no knowledge of the Old Testament. She only had heard that there was a man named Jesus who was performing the miraculous works of God, and she comes to him and calls him Lord, Son of David. She appeals to him as the Jewish Messiah, but her faith is no doubt very immature, and yet it seems to be great in that she is able to overcome all these potential kind of divides for her. You know, if we were to look at her, consider her today, we would probably most certainly say that she is a woman who did not grow up in a Christian home. She was probably not someone who knows anything about Christian or church etiquette. Right? And maybe we've met some of those folks. People come into to fellowship, they come into church, and it's all foreign to them. They have no idea of how you know, to relate, even to worship, even to you know, the, the right protocol for kind of being together in fellowship. This woman knew nothing but to come and push in faith towards Jesus. And you know, sometimes you just have to push past all those barriers and find the help that you need from the heart of Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter what you used to believe or practice, today you can come to Jesus as the Son of God who loves you and can save you. He is not only the Jewish Messiah, He is the Savior of the world. And He is met by this Christian woman who calls out to Jesus, overcoming all barriers. The second thing that I notice here in this text is that it is a faith that believes in mercy. Faith that believes in mercy. Have mercy on me, O son of David. She does not come and make a claim or a right to the help or assistance or ministry of Jesus. She has no place of merit or standing before him. She believes that mercy can be obtained from Jesus. She knows that she needs mercy. And she instinctively knows that Jesus will give mercy if she will come in faith. This is saving faith, isn't it? Saving faith is looking to Jesus for the gift of mercy and forgiveness. Not that we deserve it. It's by grace. And she cries out for mercy. No doubt she has heard of him. And in some small way, she believes in him. We, we have to imagine her faith is probably very immature and, and not very well versed, but she has enough to know that she needs his mercy. And I think that great faith 
understands the gap and distance from God because of our sin, and yet it also believes that Jesus is available for mercy. Great faith does not try to earn merit, but rather great faith embraces the mercy and grace, the forgiveness, the blessing, the help, and the hope that we find in Jesus. And it's never too late. Do you imagine that you are outside the the reach of the Lord's grace and mercy in your life? Do you imagine that you're too far gone for mercy? You're not. Even this Canaanite woman who who really knew nothing of the things of God, she comes and she appeals for mercy. Romans 5.20 says, Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 7.24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even Paul understood that it was mercy that came to him through his faith in Jesus Christ. Let your faith lay hold of mercy. The third thing I notice about this woman's faith is that it is a faith motivated by love. Faith motivated by love. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. We see now the heart of a mother. We see a mother who is worried and troubled for her daughter. This love pushes past her fear, her shame, her hardship. A mother's love for a daughter is a powerful force. And I believe it is what's motivating her to appeal in faith for, to help, for help from Jesus. You know, you can imagine that she had probably tried everything by now. And now she's desperate. And she loves her daughter in, so deeply that she is willing to press even towards this Jewish Messiah in hope of help. Do you need the Lord's help today for a loved one? Do you need the Lord's uh, help today for your children? I have discovered that God often uses that motivation of love to, to grow and raise up faith. Now, now, faith can be used in many areas of our life for provision for our own life. Oftentimes, we just need the Lord's help. But, but I think the highest use of faith is when it's motivated by love and a desire to see God's help touching those that we love. I remember in my own life, uh, my son Tyler, when he was just two months old, he came down with a life-threatening infection in his blood system. And we took him into the hospital, and he w- we were there for 10 days while they uh, put intravenous uh, antibiotics in him, and it was very touch-and-go. He was just a, just a little guy, two months old. Somehow a strep infection had gotten into his blood system, and we were just uh, really troubled. It was Christmas time, and my in-laws were in town. My mother-in-law and Tony's stepfather, they were coming down to visit for Christmas, and all of this happened at the Christmas season. And it was during that time that we were just crying out for the Lord's help, that, that, that we would not lose this, this infant son, that, you know, my mother-in-law and father-in-law came to faith in Christ. It was during that moment of crisis that their love for their grandson rose up and appealed to God for help. They too gave their life to Jesus, a faith motivated by love. When my wife was 
severely ill. And I've shared her testimony with you before, but one of the things that came out of that was her biological father. He came to the Lord. Again, his love for his daughter turned his heart to God and praying in faith for her well-being and giving his life and heart to Jesus. Faith is often motivated. Great faith often finds its roots in love. The fourth thing that I see here in this woman's faith is that great faith is often born in great adversity. Great adversity. Listen, she was severely demon-possessed. We don't get the details of her condition. We don't know her age. We don't know all of the particulars. But when the Bible says someone is severely demon-possessed, you know that it was troubled. You know that it was, it was a great trial. And as I mentioned, no doubt this mother had tried everything. She grew up in a pagan culture. I, I'm sure she had prayed to her false gods. I'm, prayed she had, I'm sure she had done everything that was available in that time medically to try and find some relief for her. She had sought, no doubt, spiritual guides and help. And when she came to the end of herself, and when she came to the end of all her own efforts, she turned to Jesus. And this is where great faith is often forged. It's in those moments of exasperation. You've tried everything. You've come to the full end of your ability to make a difference. And now all you have is faith that would rise up and cry out to God. And boy, the Lord knows how to bring us there, doesn't He? Life happens, doesn't it? We, we have those moments where if we're going to get through this, it's going to have to be by the hand of God and I'm going to have to rise up and seek His help by faith. You remember this passage, James 1 and verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Faith born in adversity is faith that is refined and matured and perfected. And as we'll see here, great faith. I had opportunity uh, to be with a family um, celebration, a family of our church here, church, someone who attends here, and they, they had a family celebration, and my wife and I were able to, to enjoy this celebration with them. And while we were there, there, we were introduced to a friend of the family, and it was uh, a young woman who was a co-worker uh, of this family. And uh, they shared a little bit of, of her testimony with us. She was a Christian, a believer. And she had become, a, uh, had become pregnant and gave birth to a child, and the child passed away at one month old. And she was so excited to be a mom, and, and they found out that there was a heart condition, and the child only lived for a month, and she was devastated. But the testimony was, but, but she never lost her faith and trust and testimony and love for God. We watched how she went through this tragedy of her life and this horrible trial, and she continued to trust the Lord. She continued to look to the Lord, and she said it was, it was her testimony that brought me and my husband back to the Lord. And we're back in church today. We're back in fellowship today because of how the Lord used this woman's faith through her adversity. Trials are not easy. Difficulties are not things we welcome. But when they come, 
they can often be the source of faith that God is wanting to work and strengthen in your life. Let's read on. Let's see how Jesus responds to this woman's request. Verse 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I think we can say that great faith is a faith that is persistent. Great faith is faith that is persistent. Now, the disciples just wanted Jesus to get rid of her. Jesus, just do something for this woman. She just keeps crying out. She's becoming a distraction. We're up here on retreat. We're up here to try and get away from uh, the ministry pressure. And this woman is hounding us. Can't you just quickly do something that would send her on her way? And Jesus responds. Very interesting. He restates his mission priority, doesn't he? He says that God's plan and timing is for me to be the Jewish Messiah today. I am here for the lost sheep of Israel. We saw this a little bit last week when Jesus sent his disciples out on mission. Remember, he said, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Don't visit the Gentile cities or the cities of Samaria. Now, we know that the gospel ultimately is for the whole world. We know that Jesus would ultimately say, go into all nations and make disciples. But in terms of timing, in God's plan, his, his timing was to bring first salvation offered to the Jews, the nation of Israel, and then through the Jewish nation to the world. And so Jesus is stating that here, it was not yet time to move to the Gentile nations because the full opportunity to Israel had not yet, not yet been presented. But I think Jesus is also up to something else, as we'll see as the story advances. I think Jesus is drawing out this woman's faith. He says this to his disciples, but he clearly says it in earshot of this woman who is there pressing him. She hears it so much. Uh, she hears this and in such a desire for help, she now comes and worships him, saying, Lord, help me. It's as if the Lord is giving opportunity for her to be more persistent in her faith. Remember when Jesus had the two blind men following him all the way home, crying out to him, and he never gave any response until they got all the way to the house, and then he said, what would you like me to do for you? As if he didn't know. But he allowed that, that, that pursuit, he allowed that heart to come after him in faith. And I believe that's what the Lord is working in this, this Gentile woman. He is drawing her faith, and it's, it's happening in her heart. Now she comes with an even stronger plea and cry. Remember Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord. I won't let you go until you bless me. This faith that needs to be drawn out and set in a persisting way, a not giving up kind of faith. A pressing in with greater urgency and now in worship with all her heart. She says, Lord, help me. And this is the kind of faith that only comes when you have to push through the initial response. Don't get discouraged with when in faith and you're crying out to the Lord, if the answer doesn't immediately come, or if it seems to you that, that heaven's just closed for business, 
And you don't know how, if, if, there, if, if you're even being heard. This woman could have been discouraged at this moment. After hearing the words of Jesus, she could have left saying, well, I tried, but I'm a Canaanite woman and clearly there's no ministry for me here. There's no help from Jesus today. But she didn't. And I want to encourage you, make sure that your faith is willing to persist. Jesus said, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Not because God is reluctant to help. Not because God is hard of hearing. But because God is drawing out faith, persistent, coming after Him kind of faith. Because that's the faith that brings victory. That's the faith you need to serve the Lord. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, And you will seek, seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jesus is drawing out the all your heart kind of seeking and faith in this, this Gentile woman. And boy, he will do it in your life too, won't he? He will, he will draw out that kind of faith in our lives as well, that we would seek Him with all our heart. But now, verse 26, let's continue on. He now turns to her. But He answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. My final observation on this woman's great faith is this. Faith believes God is good. Faith believes that God is good. Jesus continues to challenge this woman's faith. He continues to kind of, you know, paint a picture of this idea that, you know what, I can't really help you right now. He says, look, the, the, the little dogs are not supposed to be given the main meal from the, of the, what the children are supposed to be served at the table. Now, he doesn't insult her in this. Uh, the term little dogs, the Greek meaning of that is like a household pet. It's not like some, you know, just a street dog. He's, he's just painting a picture. Look, I have a ministry that comes first to the children at the table. And it's not good that I would take what's intended for them and feed it to the pet dog in the home. Now, I know some of us do that, right? Some of you take better care of your pets than you do the rest of your household. But that's not the picture Jesus is painting. Jesus is saying it's not good. But here's what I want you to know, that even as he says that, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus was not trying to push this woman away as much as he was trying to draw her in. He already knew. Don't you know? He knew what was coming. He knew what, what he was going to do for this woman. And Jesus would relate this way to people, even his own disciples. I want to remind you, you don't have to turn, but in John chapter 6, you remember when Jesus was getting ready to feed the multitude and the miracle of multiplying the fish and the loaves, Right? Well, this is, how that, this is how that was set up in John 6, verse 4. Now the, Passover of, uh, now, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. You see, Jesus asks Philip, Philip, uh, what do you got in your pocket? Where are we going to get money to buy? We want to, I want to feed all these people. Now, he asks Philip an impossible question. He purposefully kind of blows Philip's mind, like Philip answers, we, there's not an amount of money that we have that could even give these people a little bit. But Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus was trying to challenge his disciples' faith. He was trying to challenge Philip to believe, listen, with God, all things are possible. And if the Savior wants to feed the masses, guess what? It can happen. Now, he's drawing faith out of Philip, I believe, in the same way that he is drawing faith out of this woman. And look at her response. Again, in verse 27, she said, yes, Lord. She could have been offended. She could have said, what? You can't help me? What? You calling me a dog? What? You, you, you know, what do you? No. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She knew in her heart that God was good. She knew that even a crumb from his table would bring help and healing to her family. She knew that anything from Jesus would help. She's not deterred. She's not offended. She comes up with this beautiful response of faith. It reminds me of Psalm 84.10. You'll remember this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Anything from you, Lord, is good. I know, as if to say, Jesus, I don't know my place in your eternal plan. I don't understand all of the, the, the promises of the Jewish Messiah. I don't know what my role is and, 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 and what I'm entitled to or not entitled to, but I know this, that I need help and I believe you are good. And that if you will just offer anything to me, it will be a blessing. And that's, that's the faith. That's the full bloom of her faith. That's what Jesus, I believe, was after. That she would come to that understanding that God is good. That, to, that you've got to come for him and get what you need. And boy, she did. Jesus commends her great faith. There's only two places that Jesus commends faith in the whole gospel of Matthew. There's only two places where he calls faith great. We saw one earlier in our study weeks past when the centurion believed that Jesus could heal his daughter even from a distance. Jesus said, wow. He, looked to the, he turned to the people and said, I'm not seeing great faith as this in all of Israel. But now he turns to the woman and says, oh woman, your faith is great be it done unto you as you've, you've requested. And so Jesus commends her. Let me remind you of Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God is not looking for faith that just says He exists God is looking for the faith that knows He is good. 
that He will reward a sincere heart, that He will meet you in your need, that He will bless you in your time of crisis, and that you cry out to Him with all of your heart, you will find Him. And God is looking for faith that knows that and will wrestle through the circumstance, will overcome the barriers, will not be deterred by anything but the goodness of God, whether it be able, whether it be just being a doorkeeper in his house or a crumb from his table, just to be in relationship with him is good. And boy, Jesus draws this diligent seeking out of this woman and a faith that believes he is good and a faith that is that receives the blessing that she sought. Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that, that God has something for you? Or, or do you imagine that even before you ask, the answer is already no? Don't you remember your kids when they would ask? Well, I know the answer is probably no, but that's not what we want. We don't want them thinking the answer is probably no. Sometimes it was no. <laughs> but we want them to, to know that, that God, we want, God wants us to know that He's good. And that the answer, it may not be the exact answer you want, but you'll know this, that the answer will be good. That God has something of a blessing for you. You know, we live now in a time where Jesus has completed the work at the cross. This woman caught Jesus in that time leading up to the cross. We now live in the full measure of God's favor and blessing. The book of Ephesians in chapter 1 describes an abundance of God's grace and blessing lavished upon us, overwhelming, ab above and beyond what we could even ask or think. Faith that knows He is good is a faith that will seek and push through and discover what He ultimately has for you, which is His blessing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this account in Scripture where we see this exchange between Jesus and this Canaanite woman. Lord, an exchange where he seem, seems to be almost kind of distant and unhelpful. But in the end, we see the wisdom of drawing her into deeper and fuller faith, that, that she might receive the full measure of your blessing. God, help us. Help us to, to walk in great faith. Help us to learn these principles, these elements of faith. And Lord, may they become part of our walk and journey with you as well. God, I pray a special blessing on mothers today. I pray that their faith would be encouraged and strengthened. What a beautiful picture here, illustrated to us by a loving mother. And Lord, as heads are bowed and, and we closing now in prayer, I, I do want to give opportunity for anyone here today that may need to respond to the Lord and His Word. It may be that you are here today and, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like this Canaanite woman, you, you know something about Him, you, you know something of Him, but you've not yet met him and really pressed in in a personal exchange with him. I'd love to pray for you today 
if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Not just a Jewish Messiah. Not just a, a Savior for Christians, but your Savior. I'd love to pray for you if you want to receive that forgiveness, that mercy, that help that He has for you today. Maybe you're here today and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. It could be that your faith has grown weak. That your faith today, if you were honest, is feeble. You've forgotten the goodness of God. You've forgotten the, the plan and purpose of his, uh, that He has for your life. And today you just find yourself distant from Him and you need to come home. You need to come back to the Lord and press in again and lay hold of Jesus and rededicate, recommit your heart to Him. I believe He wants to meet you here. I believe He's drawing you toward Him even now. If you're here today, you want to receive Jesus for the very first time or you want to rededicate, recommit your life to the Lord, I would ask you just to raise your hand where you're seated and I want to pray for you. Anybody here today? God speaking to you. God bless you over here on my left. You need the Lord. You need to come back to the Lord. Up front here. Here in the front right. Any others? The Lord speaking to your heart. You want to be a part of this prayer. God bless you. God bless you as well. Amen. A couple hands there together. God bless you both. Press in. Press in past the barrier. Press in past the doubt. Press in past the fear. And lay hold of Jesus here today. He wants to touch your life. Anybody else before we pray? Raise your hand high. Let me see you. So Lord, for these hearts responding to you today, I ask that you would meet them. I ask that you would abundantly bless them as they too press into you today with faith, believing that you love them, believing that you died on the cross for their sin. And so we confess and acknowledge our sin and we, we receive the mercy and the grace that comes from you. Forgive us, Lord. Set our hearts right with you today and set our course with you today. Bless these that are here, Lord. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Meet them in every way. In the same way that you met this woman, meet them today in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. <music>